Hello and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Jeremy and I'm here with my wife Rosie and today we are talking to Daniel. Daniel is a Mexican-American artist who creates performative art and rituals around hair braiding. She shares with us how something as simple as braiding hair can connect people together, release trauma and heal inner wounds. And we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Danye. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so, so excited. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for the invitation, Rosie and Jeremy. I'm very, very excited to meet you finally. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to record with us today. We really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to be learning a lot today, I think, from, from you and from what you do, because it's something that I've got to say I'm, I don't know much about, <laughs> so I'm very excited to learn. Um, when I was doing my, my research, um, basically what I understood from you, you're an artist, you're based in Dallas, Texas, and through the art of braiding, you would like to reunite the world. That's the vision I got, that's the feeling I got from from looking through your social and your and your website and when i was reading now i was like how amazing it is that such a mundane activity you know i so many kids just play to braid their hair and stuff like that it's just one of those tasks that we do in the world that seems insignificant and irrelevant potentially for millions of people you created something magical around it something special around it what inspired you to take this normal daily task and create a knot around it? I, I really think that um, so much is about the way that I've been able to, to survive emotionally uh, through life. I'm a person that feels a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I, I, I'm sure a lot of people can say that, but I mean it. <laughs> and so for me, rituals have been one of those things that has been able to ground me. And that has been able to, to, to guide my way. So there was this very simple ritual that took place every time I had an important uh, event when I was a child, when I was like seven years old. I had an indigenous nanny that came from a little town called Amecameca, which is in the outskirts of the Popocatépetl volcano in Mexico. And uh, whenever I had a special occasion, she would braid my hair. My mom left when I was almost seven years old. And so I didn't have that connection with the feminine with my mother. But I did have it when my nanny touched my hair. There was something very, very special about it. So in time, I discovered that um, something as simple as braiding could become this point of connection, you know, almost like an, an atar, you know, how they sort of connect with each other. It's a bit like that. And we've lost, the, the, we've lost this outlook into how magical hair is. We just take it as a commodity that we, you know, we play with for aesthetics. But the reality is that there is so much more to hair. Hair is an extension of the soul. I don't cut my hair. My hair is extremely long at this point. And the reality is that I've seen that my intuition is way higher. And there, there are even studies behind this. You know, like um, there was, you know, how involved the Cherokee and the Navajo have been in the Vietnam War, in the Second World War. Uh, the United States would always uh, ask them for help because of their language more than anything. And then they also wanted to take them in the ground to fight. But the first thing that they would do was cut their hair. And like Sanson and Delilah, they lost all their power. So I want us to understand her differently. And I, I think that the simple action of braiding is showing you the power of the collective versus the individual in a very simple way. 
And we as humans need that those kinds of buttons or images so that we can like, you know, understand what, what, what people mean in a very simple way. It's like a very abstract yet simple way to portray what I want the world to be. And so now I even do braiding circles. I, I mean, I started braiding my hair with a daily intention, which is always written here and is sealed with a, with a knot. And then I realized that I could also let go of my hair before I braided it. So every morning, the first thing that I do is let go from my hair. And that's what that brings about is this moment in time where I block myself from my children, from my husband, from my to-do list, from my email. And I focus on the things that I need to make sure that I let go of for the day ahead from the hair. So it's just this exercise of letting go. I keep all my hair and then I print some of my art on, on my hair as well. Uh, or I, get, I put it on earth. I never throw it to the trash because there's nothing more healthy for earth uh, than hair, actually, uh, because of the cement. It's obviously losing the only thing that we gave to this cycle of life. <laughs> but uh, so and then when I braid, it's all about the things that I need to bring into my life. So what kind of, of, of things do I need? with me this day, from my ancestors, even my grandmother, my nanny, what, what elements from their power do I need to bring about? And you can see that there's always like this color aspect to it. For me, that represents the invisible thread, because we all have this invisible thread that we're pulling from. You in your personal history and Rosie in her personal history are pulling from this, this thread from the past. You're completing the story of your mother, of your grandmother, of your and when you bring that to mind, when you, when you understand it, it's easier to change, to move to the next level, almost like Mario Bros <laughs> sense of next level, you know, like you get and get the little, little castle and the flag. Well, that was my version of Mario Bros. At least I know it's changed. <laughs> it's been a while, but, um, it's that kind of feeling. So it has been a healing journey for me more than anything, because I'm also able to see myself in a totally different image than me when I was a child. You know, ever since I added like the textile. And so it becomes a button. This is like my power braid, especially because it's, it's in this chakra, the crown chakra, which is connecting us to divinity, however we want to understand it. So it's, it's an element of protection. It's an element of strength. And more than anything, it's an element of power. Each braid has its own thing. It's a very spiritual practice for you then. And I think it's also become part of your identity almost like when I see your post on Instagram I'm like oh it's her again like I can like I know straight away that it's you from the colorful braid in your hair do you feel like it's become part of your identity now absolutely and it's rare that I'm not braided at this point um mm. it, it is part of me I don't feel the same again like uh, recently I was in Miami for this event and one day I was like okay I'm gonna bring I, I'm gonna wear my hair down I couldn't like I was there for like 20 minutes because when your hair is down, you're absorbing everyone's energy. It's very interesting. So for sure, there's, there's a bit of a, of a shamanic practice at the same time. The more I understand it, the more I see it. But it, because it's just energy. And even when I do my braiding circles where I braid women together, it's energy. I keep trying to create videos around them. I, I keep trying to express it that way, but it's impossible because it's the movement of energy. So. How uh, something that started when you were six, seven, eight years old with your grandmother became such a pillar in your life, such a central part in your life right now? How did it evolve through the years to really, for you to create, because it's a personality, but you know, it's also, it became 
an art for you. It became ceremonies, like you said, and, and a business also around it. So it really became such a central part of your life. How did you go from, from there to that? Yeah, so that's a very good question, actually. Um, so in a way, it started, you know, first it was my childhood, and then it was like everything that connected me. It was my, to my indigenous nanny more than, than to my grandmother. My grandmother had her braiding history as well, but um, that one's different, uh, although it's all connected. But in time, what happened is that I would keep braiding my hair for important occasions, sometimes without even realizing. But I just had this thing, you know, like when you're like, oh, I'm going to wear red. I just felt like braiding. And it was always when it was important days. And I started, I, I left Mexico uh, when I was around 21 years old to study abroad. And from there, like it was just this chain of moving from another country to another country to another country to another country. And the opportunity that that gave me to reinvent myself and to really look deep into who I was at the core was wonderful because I faced a totally different culture that saw being Mexican in a totally different way. And um, I liked the element of recognizing it and making it very visual. Then I started learning even more. Uh, I went deeper into the investigation and the study of braiding throughout time, throughout history, and how every culture in some way has had an element of braiding, starting from humanity in Africa. The first uh, sculpture that there is of a woman, it's the Venus of Willendorf, and it's braided. So, and that's the absolute first sculpture that we have uh, so far found. So braiding has been a big issue, and not, a, not an issue, excuse my, my word. It has been a, a really big thing for all these cultures. So what has kept it alive? It has to be something very special. You know, and that this technique would go everywhere. Like it's, it's very human. And then there's this indigenous group in Mexico called the Tehuanas that live in the, in Oaxaca in the Itzmo de Tehuantepec. And when I started looking into their history, I was even more enchanted by it. They are the ones that use the elements of color. And they are the only indigenous group in Mexico, at least, where the women are the ones that carry the economical power of their households. And that's very important because at the same time, like going through the divorce of my parents and seeing like the vulnerability of the woman when they are not the ones that make the money, although they are supporting the man that makes the money and how unbalanced that is. And then seeing my position when I was living in Sweden and I had two children, one was six months old, the other one at that point was two and a half years old. And I felt depleted. I had been doing all my Coursera's and I had kept myself very current in, in, in all matters of the things that interested me. But I, I was, you know... In, I was just in the process of reinventing myself, not being able to do much about my life to the professional aspects that I had planned. And the braid was there for me. And so I started using it more and more. I was asked to put together the top 50 women in Mexico for a project called the Women's Forum for Economy and Society in Deauville, France. And um, this friend of mine believed in women so much. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, just let it go. We women, the way that they teach you in Mexico, are there for men and game over. <laughs> like, that's it. And he's like, no, please help me put together this group. And that changed my life. Because I had women that had 10 times more challenges in front of them than what I had, even having dealt with the postpartum depression and all the things that came about because of my childhood. And uh, they were just thriving through life in the most beautiful way. 
And these women asked me to braid their hair on the last day because they saw that I was doing my braids and they were like, oh, oh, please braid our hair. Let's be all the same for this delegation. Salman Hayek was actually the head of our delegation. Christine Lagarde was there. It was a big event. Like, it was a big deal. And so I was braiding politicians and artists and athletes and uh, heads of huge corporations. And that made me feel their energy in a very special way. I had never braided anyone apart from my cabbage patch uh, horse, <laughs> which, was, which was very important in my braiding practice, I have to say. <laughs> but braiding their hair made me feel so connected to them. And so I was able to get rid of that telenovela program that's special in Latin America is so alive, which is only one woman can prevail. There's only one protagonist. You know, all those, all those programming that they give you when you're young, I was able to get rid of that and understand that women united could go through everything. And then the braids sort of led my way in different ways. I started braiding my hair as I, and I was working. I was with Condé Nast at that time. I was working for Glamour and uh, as a correspondent back in Miami. And, um, and I, I started, I realized that all I wanted to do was braid as a social practice even though it's hard to explain why it's so much of my social practice, but it was just putting people together in the right place so that they could thrive. Because it's all about that. It's all about that, that if you have the right braid, whatever you're doing will shine. If you don't, it's going to take you longer. So it was beautiful with the magazine because I was able to take incredible brands and the creative community that at that time in Miami was totally disconnected and bring them together. So in the events that I did to present all the brands to my editor every time she visited Miami, all the creative community started connecting. And it was so beautiful to see. They had lived in Miami for centuries and they had never met each other. In this process, I also went through this moment where, you know, ego gets in the the way and you're like, but wait a minute, this all happened because of me and now they're not recognizing me (laughs) and now they forgot. And, And that was also a beautiful part of my practice because I learned and I understood that the ripple effect of intentions and of doing good to others is never going to come back from the same person that you do good to. It's always going to come back Mm. from someone else. And so all these learnings started coming my way. And the reality is that I always wanted to move into art, but I was terrified because my mother is an artist. So I always thought that art was the evil monster that would make me run away from my kids. And um, once I discovered that was not the case or my kids were old enough, I was able to pursue my practice deeper now more through performance art and the things that I'm doing. Um, but before I left Miami four years ago, I created the most beautiful braid of them all, which is the Bazaar for Good, which is basically using all the power of all the influencers that I had met to turn the to change the dialogue of their daily routine of selling things and, uh, you know, like just uh, promoting the cute t-shirt and the cute na-na-na. And instead of that, it's let's help a cause. So all the brands that donate to them, they they reach out to those brands and tell them, can you please give me 20 to 30 products that I'm going to sell at a lower price at this bazaar with 100% proceeds going to children of the world? And they were like, okay, sure. And so I started that with Martha Graff who was in the same space of wanting to make things differently because we, we didn't, I mean, as much as it's lovely to have fun and share your life and then get paid by brands, it's very empty of meaning. And um, we started changing that dialogue with all these people. 
And Martha, her press, I mean, she has like 400,000 followers, so she's very consolidated. Um, and her, her, we, we sort of joined networks. Her network was more Brazilian, American. Mine was all the Latins, some of the Americans. And then it, 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 it grew. Like that's what we're working on. And on May 5th, I, I have the huge hope that we're going to get half a million dollars this year. Wow. Because it's we have sponsors. We're like this year we're way more organized than the other two years. The other two years we've made like one hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which went first to La India, to India, and then to Venezuela. Um, and yeah, this is our third event. And for me, that is social practice mm. because it was changing the dynamic of operation from all these women. And this year we have Camila Coelho, who has nine million followers, who has mm-hmm. been this huge. Uh, you know, like force as well. And so by changing that dialogue, let's influence for something that is actually having a ripple effect that is bigger than ourselves. And the brands that are part of our cause are wonderful. Like we have, we have no idea. We have have no idea what to do when we started this. (laughs) And now I'm like, Hey, you know, like this friend is like, girl, how planned, uh, have you planned your, your production schedule? And I'm like, uh? <laughs> she's like, at what time is everyone delivering? And I'm like, uh, somewhere on the 4th of May. And she's like, no, darling. <laughs> and it's beautiful because it's this community, you know, like, and for me personally, like going back, all I'm doing is healing my own relationship to my mother. It all comes back to that. Whatever we're doing, whatever you are doing in your personal life is nothing but a healing process from things that you weren't able to process when you were a child. Mm. And when you see it that way, it makes it easier to navigate hardship. (laughs) And that's what I want to share with people as well. What I'm really getting from, from what you say is the power of the intention behind what you do. Uh, Because to go back to what I said at the beginning, uh, the act of, braiding your hair and it's actually interesting that this is something that's been done for thousands and tens of thousands of years throughout history of humanity but um, because of the intention you're putting in the practice and because of the intention you're putting in your business to donate and to do something good rather than just let's make money and do something this is what is creating something special and this is how you're gathering special people around you to create what you want to create and 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 this is really interesting because also you you said before that you lived in in many countries uh, different cultures and you was I, i guess you had to experience racism and stuff like that because you were coming from mexico um it's interesting because when you when you're a victim of racism here. Uh, I find it amazing that your goal after that is let's do something to show the world and to show, including those people, that actually we are more alike than different. And this is very powerful and it's, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds because uh, when you're a victim like that, you could also say just, you know, like, fuck off people, like, <laughs> I don't want to deal with you or whatever, but you, we want to create a sense of unity and show people that we all in this together rather than focusing on the, um, the division that those people are trying to create. It's really powerful. Exactly. And it's more, you know, we're mirrors of each other, regardless of where you were born, of where the lottery of life threw you. 
And um, especially, I think the biggest challenge in, in what you're talking about has been Dallas. Like my first like horrible experience of racism happened here. And when I had just arrived <laughs> in a very controlled environment, like in the mega ultra private club, this guy comes to me and he's like, so you're Mexican. And I'm like, uh-huh. Do you know who Mexicans are to me? And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> he's like, Mexicans, they're the ones that pick up after my crops in my ranch up north. But, but I'm a Democrat. Beware of Republicans. But please give me your contact information. I would love to stay in touch. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> excuse me. And I was blank. I was like, and it, at the beginning, it was so intimidating. And I shared this experience with a friend of mine who is actually uh, the, a very important woman here. She's the head of a, a very important museum. And uh, she was like, she's from El Salvador. And she's like, oh, darling, get ready. And so when I think, why did life bring me to Dallas, which is something that I questioned often, as I was very happy in Miami, I find that as a healing experience, you know, it was very easy to do it in Miami where everyone is Hispanic and they get it. But doing it here, that's what's going to be interesting. So it's, it's, it's a place that needs a lot of healing, given its history and given... Yeah, like the non-integration of the community. Like most Mexicans that are here want to hide that they're Mexicans. You know, it's like this, like they, they, they only speak English to their children. They, they do all these things like just to mimetize into the, the, the environment. And I don't. <laughs> I am the anti all that. I only speak Spanish to my kids. I, you know, I, and it, it, so many strange things have happened to me. Like everyone was like, Oh, don't worry. You'll be fine in Dallas. Uh, you're white. You are, you have an American passport and you're married to a Frenchman. You're okay. And I was like, what does this have to say about who I am? <laughs> like, I'm going to start doing t-shirts and I actually think I'm going to do those t-shirts that say, but I'm married to a Frenchman. You know, like that I, I can justify my existence because I'm married to a Frenchman. It's awful. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Very unfortunately, labels have such a huge influence and power in the society we live in and and we tend to labelize everything and everyone and that puts you in a box and to get out of this box is really hard because everyone sees you as you're mexican so there is i don't know 20 cliche coming around that and that's what people see yeah. without trying to know you, trying to understand who you are as a human being and stuff. They just see this, those cliche and it's so hard to break those, yeah, those, those boxes. Yeah. And the good thing is that because the, the, the braid is something that is so visually different to what people are used to. It leads to so many conversations because I go to the supermarket like this. It's not like, you know, it, it's a, it's not like I do it for aesthetics and Let's go out, take pictures. I'm always braided. And that has led to many conversations that I know for some people have changed their understanding of what a Mexican can be. And it's not because, oh, I'm super special and I have all this. No, it's simply because they don't open themselves to these conversations because there are layers that divide them. And it's true. Like in, in reality, it's just the way you know, like we educate ourselves when, when I'm studying with my kids and they're like, okay, you, you know, like 
select all the squares or select the, the, the figure that doesn't fit in this square. And you have five squares and two circles. And so you need to divide them because the circles are round and the other ones have angles. And I'm always like, of, of course, this is a philosophical way of, of, of thinking of this. I get why they need to learn these things. But at the same time, why can't the circles hang out with the squares and just be geometric figures together? <laughs> like, yeah. Why? Because if we, that's when it starts. Like, what's different? Okay, you're this category. What's different? Okay, no, 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 you go there. And then, of course, then all, everything happens and that everyone is the other. Mm. Yeah, because we are pointing from a very young age at the differences rather than the similarities. And, and and this is something that's very we are conditioned to think this way i think as human being in a way and and it's very hard to be to decondition yourself <laughs> to then see the the other side but so can you tell us a little bit more about the the circles and the ceremonies that you are hosting you you quickly told us about it but uh, can you tell us exactly who attends those ceremonies what is the purpose behind them uh, yeah so the, the main purpose is just to, to show unity, to show oneness and to help them on their personal history with the tools that I've learned uh, through my life to trace the invisible thread to what has brought them to that particular moment and through life. And to I, I, the last one that I did took place on, on November the 2nd. I do individual braiding as well as a performative uh, function, but the last circle was on November the 2nd. And it was uh, for Day of the Dead. And it was calling upon ancestry, uh, calling upon our ancestors and trying to trace that thread. So basically, it's women uh, come, even if their hair is not that long, it's fine. If men want to join, and on my last ceremony, there was a man as well, and it was beautiful to have him. Uh, and then we, it's just a matter of braiding the hair. And if the hair is not long enough, then it's just something that goes through their hands. And they, they braid with the same thread like this. A physical braid that then unites to the other one. So it starts on the individual. They first do the first part. When they finish the first one, they, you know, like it's with ribbons like this. Ooh, I have one here. And so they close the, the, the first braid like this. And then a part is left so that then it's united to someone else. And so it becomes this beautiful circle of women where you're showing this line of energy that is connecting us all. And, uh, more than anything is a conversation and then they're all part of putting together the space so it's it's very much about this experience of togetherness of not being with someone per se i actually prefer when women come on their own without people that they know so that they can see they can get out of their usual head and circles the first one that we did was right after co uh, right literally the day before everyone had to stay home uh for covid that was the first one, and it was beautiful because it was a mix of, of skin colors, of backgrounds, of religions, which is what I want to do more and more. It's obviously hard because you also don't want to feel people profiled, like it's because you feed that box that you're invited. But initially, what I want is that that visual is very present in a very everyone is invited sort of way. Um, and so anyway, they have been developing that way and it's just creating this, this moment of, of oneness and tracing the invisible thread. It sounds so healing as well. Cause I think even, I mean, I literally just washed my hair and left it to dry. Like I don't do anything with my hair. So even the fact of braiding your own hair and taking that time, like you said, to get rid of the, 
negative energy and then to plait and braid and have intention behind that and do something for yourself that's self-care but then equally you were saying earlier on in the conversation about doing other people's hair and that's quite an intimate thing to do because people tend to go to the hairdressers maybe once every six months and even then you kind of you get your hair done and that's kind of it so actually sitting and braiding someone's hair is quite I mean my mother used to do my hair as well so it's quite a motherly caring thing to do I can imagine that must be hard for some people I guess to to feel that connected and maybe that vulnerable with people but then also to have somebody care for you and to you know do your hair for you it's such an intimate thing I can imagine it being really really healing in a, a group of women who are all connected together and they're for the same purpose and it just sounds wonderful yes and some people some people are not you know like they just tell you tell me like I, I cannot do it I, I I have issues with my hair I've only let there was this woman on a braiding uh, performance I did uh, recently for an opening here and then she was like you know the only person that I allowed to touch my hair has been my second husband not even the first one that's why I had to divorce him so you hear all these in interesting stories another girl is like okay I'm gonna let you touch my hair but I have to tell you I have issues like I was abused when I was little and for some reason that tends to stay in the hair and she has not been the first one that says that it's been like probably eight people that have said that having had uh, sexual abuse led to them having problems connecting with their hair so which is also very interesting um you know like to think how much can be let go of just by putting the right intention to it and again like what i, I wish people could find these visuals that would let them garner what is the most pure and purpose-driven of their soul's journey if, if it like whatever one element you know it can be a necklace it can be but something visual that reminds you of your power because otherwise you go through daily life and you forget i can't forget <laughs> and i have these daily conversations with myself you know when you're braiding i make a i, I make a, a point in staring straight into the mirror straight into my eyes and talking to myself from a perspective of hey i know where you're lacking i know where you know like of focus on letting go of these monsters that you can see that still haunt you and let's bring all the things that you need in a very self-caring way towards my own journey in in a you know understanding of how hard life is and how you always have these demons coming out back and again so it's... i think so many people can relate to what you're saying um, I would love to know about your Instagram account though, because that's how I originally found you a couple of years ago. And your videos are captivating as you're maybe undoing your braids. It's kind of the video in reverse or, and then you have Spanish like whispers over the top. And I'd love to know about your creative process of how that started and how you get your ideas. Cause it's, you talked about being performative with what you do as well. I'd love to know more about that. Yes. And I absolutely would love to be able to bring that to the, to a physical space as well so that the voices can be heard. Because what I'm trying to emanate is that that's just the way my, my mind works. And I imagine that many people's mind, if not everyone's, but it's you, you have all these messages that are coming in and it's you, you, you often, obviously you don't hear them. It's like thoughts, but it's, yeah. it's almost like voices. So I'm trying to bring those to life uh, so that to, because for me, it's often like intuition is nothing else, but listening to those voices, to the right ones and to know the difference mm. between the right ones and the wrong ones. So I'm trying to bring that to life. And um, 
that started as well. Like I, I, there's, there's so much that I would like to tell people about the things that I've learned about myself to heal. And yet it's people have so little time <laughs> that I'm trying to find the very simple imagery that can bring it to life. So also all, many of those pieces, I'm like have a poetry in them and I, I have a book of poetry that I'm trying to launch at some point. I love doing those videos, but, uh, and they all come from my journaling. I do, I write a lot. And so there I can see a lot of, of, of the things that I'm going through. And when I stop writing like this week, because I'm very busy, I can feel that, you know, like things start like piling up. So, so it's magic when you're able to see that when you know, when you discover where your purpose is, you, you start getting all the tools to get it out. And so I like the video. And right now I'm doing an art residency where all they're telling me is that I need to detach from my personal image. And I'm like, no, how do I do this? You know, like just having hair or just having, so connecting from a different perspective. And I'm trying to understand if that's the art practice that I want to go for or not, because that's why I'm journey of a brave. I'm trying to emulate a person. It's not the brave. It's not that I'm the, like what I want is just for people to incorporate this into their practice. So, yeah. So the videos are just the, the most simple way I've found to, to bring to life the things that I think of when I go through my braiding process of healing. So we've been talking a lot about healing and as, impor as important as it is for people who've been through trauma or whatever the reason, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, as needed as it is, it is also very hard. Uh, it can be very scary and taunting. Uh, even if we know that we need to heal, we know we need to break through this wall to get to the next stage of our life. It can be very scary and, 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 and difficult uh, because you need to let go of a lot of things. You need to get very vulnerable. Uh, what has been for you the what tips what tricks can you share with people who who know like they have to go through something but they're scared of maybe doing the first step the thing is that that's what we're here for you know then we die i think that sometimes we forget that the only reason why we're here is to experience all those things and clear that out of our ways so for me the most revealing has come through having children because then I can see that they are carrying all my trauma. Even if it's not experiences that they lived, they have it in them. It's crazy. And as, mu as much as I talk about everyone else being a mirror, your children are like, you know, <laughs> like three points to the billion, uh, your closeness into who you are, a reflection of who you are. And so I want to eliminate those, those programs that have, had, that have been so hard for me to heal. And it's just a matter of, it, it, yes, it's not an easy process, but this is such a dream. You know, when, when you're dreaming at night, you can see like life in, in this very abstract way. And yet, and then you wake up and you think that it's not part of the dream, but all we're living is just a construct of all these different minds creating this reality. Which is why, my, why I'm very much against watching so much violence in TV right now. 
because I think we're bringing it to life as well because we're making it so present. Our mindsets are so much more powerful than we can imagine. The real universe, the real demons, everything is happening here. Outside is the 1% of the things that affect us. It's this. So the moment where you're able to domesticate your own brain and just understand that your life throughout, I think that this is the main principle that if people get, like really get, their lives are like 10 times easier. Everything is balance. Light, shadow. <laughs> you know, like um, beauty, ugliness, to say it in a way. Like every single human being has absolutely both parts. I can be this horrible person. I can be this wonderful person. If you're going through a wonderful time in your life, something would come and balance you. That's why superstars go crazy. Because they start becoming mega, ultra, da, 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 da. They start believing it. And then the other side falls to pieces. So you have to always be able to bring this, you know, like, like this balance. And um, there's this person that I, I, I met, a very interesting uh, floating man whose name is John Martini. He has studied this since he was very young and he wrote lots of theories about it. I really recommend people to look into this because when I met him, it was very interesting that a lot of the things that I wanted to share, he has them, he has the words to express them. I have the energy. Like, and that's why I keep going back to that because I, I can't even explain how, but when I'm with people, I make them cry. When I'm with people, I make, you know, like it's just this thing, which is simply energy. The moment when I touch their, their third eye, which is part of the, of the practice that I do. And it's, it's not, exp I don't have the words like he does, but he has that vocabulary and it's all about when you see this balance, you stop feeling that you are, you know, like life is against you or this happened because that person did it to you or you start understanding that you have been creating everything that has been happening all along. And it's so, oh, it makes you so free because then you're also, you know, like even with, with, with your children, you're not trying to, to change them or to, you're just like letting them be, which is the way that I grew up as well. You know, I was like, meh, do it. Sure, you want to be out in Mexico City at 5 a.m., do it. My dad would say, just don't wake me up. <laughs> and that made me so aware of, like, responsible. Well, all my, my friends were sent to bed at midnight. I ended up going to bed at midnight because I, what was the point, you know? But so you let everyone have their own life experience and detach from it. So even for my husband. Like I can go up to this point and that's saving that energy and not feeling the savior of anyone, but just seeing that your own journey is the best you can portray. It's your biggest work of art to help others. It's already wonderful because it detaches you from everything. And to know that nothing is missing ever in your life, even if you lose a parent, even if you lose a sister, even if you lose your husband, that energy is going to come back in different people always. And that's why, again, this invisible thread is so important. Because when you can see it physically, visually, and you start understanding like all the roles that people play in your life are always full, even if you don't have a husband or even if you don't have a child, you are in some way filling that role for someone else. And when you see that the world has this incredible algorithm that we have no idea who is controlling, you're like, you flow. The one, the, the, the one thing that most people are missing in this flow is purpose. So once you see your purpose, 
And once you know you're floating in this, that you can just let go and be where you are, knowing that everything is going to come to you, it happens. It's very, very special. You said something there about your biggest art piece is helping people. That's such a powerful yeah. sentence. And everything you were saying, and I'm like, I was tearing up and you're making me cry. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, and we're just talking over video. I can see how, you know, being in person with you at one of these ceremonies that you do must be so powerful for these women and men as well that you, that you help and that you do what you're passionate about and also help people along the way. And I think it's, it's lovely that there's people that want to do that because not everybody is that giving of their time and their energy and their art and, you know, everything else. I think that in the end, you know, it, it, it makes me so fulfilled because uh, one of the roles, and again, like this comes after a lot of uh, introspection and a lot of time alone, and but it's my way of making up for, for my lacks is just being very motherly to people and to my friends and to my close friends and to, uh, and that's how I believe humanity needs to be a little bit more. There's nothing more magical than when you see that people are going one step above what is expected on a friendship or above one step. And strangely enough, I find myself like life puts me in the most bizarre situations where that happens. I was staying at a friend's house last time when I was in Miami. And I, I, I don't like asking people, you know, like, can I stay? And it's a pain. And then, but I'm like, hey, can I stay at your studio? And she's like, no, stay at my house. I'm like, okay. And she has three kids and a puppy and it was complicated. And suddenly she got extremely sick and she couldn't do anything. She got vertigo and I had to take care of her three kids, the dog, work on the things that I had to do for the bazaar. Like it was madness. And I was so grateful to be there for her at that time because our friendship grew from here to like here after her knowing that I'm there for her. And she, I, I, I have always had that intention. But without her experimenting it, experiencing it, it was not real. And I, if, when we connect in vulnerability like that, she, I, she had, she did this art experience once. Uh, she's, she's an artist and she also does performance. She has this beautiful space in Miami called the Collective 62. And, um, to open this space, she created a performance where to make it very short, because it's very long to explain. The main um, thing that you had to do was take a piece of clay. There were like these huge cubes of terracotta, terracotta, and you had to put clay on the other woman next to you. And we were all wearing like this uh, spanks, like, you know, like body colored spanks. And it was just putting clay. You have no idea the level of connection that that space turned into. It was, I've never had an experience like that. It was this closed room. He was documenting everything for her practice. Part of it is visible, but experiencing it was beyond anything because you were like breaking into everyone's personal space, obviously, because you were touching them with the terracotta. Some, I mean, some people were crying. Some people were couldn't take and left. Some people were just laughing like statically. I saw why they burned women because when we are united like that, God, the amount of power. But culture has separated us. And I speak of feminine more than anything. I mean, there's a feminine in the masculine as well. There's also that balance. I am more masculine than I'm feminine, you know, like there's longer conversation. But 
that power, if I could put that thing in a bottle and share it with people, <laughs> wars wouldn't exist. Because we, it, it was oneness. And once you experience oneness in your life, you can never go back. Even with horrible people that tell you that you are supposed to be picking up the crap of their crops. You know, like, you cannot go back because you know it's real. And so I, I, I just want to, 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 to bring that feeling to life because I, I want to leave my children in a place where that's what they see. And I know that I, I have a big role in creating their own reality. And I don't want to leave them in, in the world that we're living in right now, where we are all so detached from feeling, where we can see people dying every single day without even caring at this point. You know, like it's, we've gotten so used to violence. The real one and the fabricated one, that it's nothing. Mm. And it's, it's a scary space to be in. Sun, right? yeah. So I want to, for if when we start thinking that something else is possible, what we see outside is going to shift as well. Because right now we're, we're like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, like eh, part of the scenery, part of the scenery. Like in Mexico, I remember where you would see all these children asking for money on the streets all the time. Part of the scenery, part of the scenery. And then when you're here and go back there where that doesn't happen because I mean, to a certain degree, children are better taken care of to a certain degree. You go back to, I go back to my country and I see it and I'm like, how is this possible that this four-year-old is asking for money? That's why the Bazaar for Good is so important for me because we're giving hearts to children that wouldn't have them. We're fixing their hearts. We're getting rid of their brain tumors. Where for children that for something that would cost them a lot of money, they could live. We're reducing the part of money to give them an opportunity of life. And that's, you know, and that's what the matter of posting on Instagram, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have that power. So. What do you, do you have any big goals, big ambitions? Where do you see this going? Because obviously you said you're hoping to make 500,000 this year. Where do you see that going? Where do you see yourself going and doing? What's the big vision? I think the Bazaar for Good has taken a, a dimension that we were not expecting this year. It's mm. huge. And uh, it has been quite overwhelming at the same time because we're a small group. And so we're going to constitute officially as a philanthropy because we always work with philanthropies. And so all the money goes straight to them. But now we want to constitute so that we can build a better structure to have very clear roles and all that. I'm very excited about that because we're also helping a group of grandmothers this year from an indigenous group, grandmothers that want to create community centers to educate children. So $10,000 are dedicated to that. That was my condition. When we started working with the other organizations, I said that these $10,000 need to go to build this project. And, um, and so I, I, that's going to stay as my baby forever, I hope. Uh, just every year, like everything I do throughout the year will be culminating towards this project. And on a, on a more personal sort of professional side, I just want to continue doing braiding performance. I want to see how far, how deep I can connect into my soul to materialize the things that I think, which is my practice right now. I want to be able to put it in a piece of paper or put it in a piece, a physical piece, 
and continue connecting with people through braiding and all that. I think that that that's that's all I need. The one of the things that has led us to the the worst of things are having these unattainable ambitions and just you know I at this point obviously we all need money to do the things that we want and we it's wonderful to get grants and all that. But I tend to be very detached from that part. I'm very grateful that money always appears in some way. In my practice right now, it doesn't. But it's something, it's like the practice is what I'm the most committed to. And um, Journey of a Braid, the products that I sell, all my headpieces, instead of them being products products like they are right now, I want to turn them into art pieces and editions. Um, so that, because I want to share that so that people can still braid their hairs and do I want to keep it accessible in the price point and I want to have the lowest, um, you know, like the, the lowest, uh, I weigh, yeah, uh, ah, carbon emission. Uh, no, how do you call it? Like, I just want my, my textiles to be as sustainable as can be as well, because right now they're not. So I'm trying to find the best way to do all that. That's amazing. It's fun. <laughs> It, it's 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 fun for you but it's also very inspiring i think for a lot of people because um we're talking about that with rosie before recording i how um and when i was doing my research like a quote came into my head it's a quote that i've heard i don't know in a, in a meditation practice i think it's a quote from uh Einstein saying something along the lines of there's two ways to see life one as this no miracle miracles happening in life and the other ways everything is a miracle in life and you know like i said like you're turning something that can be seen by plenty of people as just uh, simple tasks in life you're creating something so spe so special with such a powerful intention behind it and you're healing and, and changing and impacting people's life in such a profound way that it's very incredible and we hear so many, so often, adults saying to child, or even to other adult, this is stupid, mm -hmm. this doesn't make any sense, don't do this, whatever, you know, it's, no, it's like, if you believe in it, deep in your core, pursue your dream, because you never know what kind of impact you could have on just one person, and, and, and you could save a life, you know, whatever, so it's very inspiring to, to listen to you and to see everything that you're doing, and, and yeah. Thank you for doing it because it's, it's it's really amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think, you know, like when I was six years old, I saw my grandfather die, like in front of my eyes in the ocean, like literally a wave sort of took him away from my dad and his body was just floating. And I'm so grateful for that experience because realizing so early in life that it all ends like this changed my approach to everyday living. So if you do, like the moment to connect with your purpose is as soon as you can, you cannot just go through life, you know, like working or doing whatever you're doing without understanding the bigger picture of why the algorithm has put you here. And, and, and that brings a lot more power to everyone's life and existence. Uh, people wouldn't give in to all this, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like all this horrible, like raping others or invading other people's spaces if they simply understood their purpose. So, yeah, and it's wonderful that, that I, I can see very clearly as well, like from, from your podcast, 
how you it all fits into this this deeper purpose as well of just connecting just interesting people and showing how we all are interesting people once we are connected to that that thing that source so it has been lovely having this conversation with you today it's been fantastic we do have one last question that we like to ask people so if you could speak to anybody who's dead or alive they can be famous or not famous who you think would be super duper interesting like the most interesting person you would love to speak to who would you choose and why maria sabina (laughs) she's a shaman uh, ah. from Oaxaca. She died uh, some time ago, but she, like, even the Beatles would spend time with her, like, and she did, like, these ayahuasca trips, and I'm really intrigued by what her knowledge was about and what led her to the place she got to. Mm. Like, because it's the understanding, you know, shamanism is often mixed up with voodoo. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. Shamanism is about finding the pieces of your soul that have been lost to heavy experiences in life. So what I was telling you about my grandfather, that's what they call asusto. It was a moment where a part of my soul stayed there, like in trauma. And what shamanism does is take all of those and sort of stitch them back together so that they come back to you and, 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 they, and that part of your soul is, is, is complete. And uh, the practice of shamanism, yes, there's ayahuasca, which I'm dying to do, even though I haven't done. I was going to ask if you'd done it. <laughs> no, I really want to. I really want to. Uh, I'll find my time. I just haven't uh, found the time, but I, I really want to do it. And uh, yeah, and it's just because what all this practice brings to you and what it has brought to indigenous people of all times is this connection to source and to earth. And when you can see your connection to earth, there's this other chapter, you know, mm-hmm. like when, when you actually understand that all this cement and all these big caves are killing us. Uh, so I want to go deeper into that. That's the next step for my practice as well. Mm-hmm. Maria Sabina, researcher, she's awesome. We yeah. will do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Daniel, for your time. And I will leave your website and all your socials in the description so people can find you and and get in touch with you and see your beautiful work that you're doing thank you and yeah thank you for this very inspiring conversation thank you so much thank you so much it's been wonderful talking to you i wanted to talk to you for a while now you were top of my list when we did the (laughs) podcast so i'm so grateful you did it and i can't wait to follow your journey so thank you so much for talking to us today i'm so happy thank you i really appreciate that And everybody listening, we'll be back next Wednesday for a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe on the YouTube. You can watch this episode and other episodes. Um, You can leave us a review, leave us a comment, do all the things. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Bye. Bye.